after my vision quest, when I fasted for four days, I had the trippiest dream in my life. And that was because I'd eaten a load of cheese. <laughs> and so anything that you put into your body will have some effect on your mood and on your kind of, and on your, uh, yeah, on your body. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Sex and Art. In this podcast, I'll combine my passion for art and sex with my passion for very interesting people. In every episode, you'll be allowed a peek into their world and we'll find out how they connect to art and sex. I'm your host, Zir Berlin, and now let's find out who's our guest today. Welcome to this podcast. So nice to see you. Yeah, great to see you too. As I said before, I always mention in the beginning of my podcast that um, with this podcast, I want to shine a light on fears and pains and shames around the topic sex and art. And I want to normalize that with some things we're not okay and that's okay too. So that includes that if I ask you a question you don't want to answer, That's, of course, okay, too. And we just proceed with another question. Thanks for saying that. I think it's important also to let our um, listeners know that this is kind of the space we are in right now. And I think this is very important. I always talk about a little bit uh, how I met the guest I'm talking with. Um, and we met actually at a huge dinner table at someone's private house. And that was... Um, I don't know, a pre-getting-to-know event from a conscious event that you also um, enrolled yourself into, I guess. Yeah, it was the lucid, lucid event. Yes, exactly. We didn't talk so much. I think you talked more with my partner, but we met again accidentally on a train. And that was mm -hmm. super interesting because I kind of, I was a bit startled. I didn't really know who you are, but then it just clicked. It was like in a different surrounding. I didn't really know. And from then on, I think we kind of kept more in touch. Yeah. <laughs> There's also another part of that, which was um, at the first day of the Lucid event, we were paired together for a dance. I don't know if you remember this. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> And you also said this in the in the train, actually. <laughs> I'm like, why do you, don't you remember me? <laughs> Dancing with you. Yes, I do. I do remember. I do remember the feeling actually more than the actual event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was probably the, the best bit of the event, actually. Wow. Yeah. Do you I mean, remember what day. you liked about it? Um, well, I think I always enjoy the, the feeling of settling into an event like that because I don't know about you, but I always go in with a lot of defenses up and I'm like, oh, who are these people? Oh, what is this? <laughs> what am I doing here? And then I like the feeling of slowly disarmoring and kind of just saying, okay, yeah, this is weird. I'm a bit weird. These people are a bit weird. But then eventually you start to meet people, you kind of connect, there's something goes on, you know, there's this like frisson. And I remember having a lot of eye contact with you mm. when we were dancing um, and it was this intensity and it was, it was, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> 
very nice that you remember it and bring it to my memory again and again and again. Um, <laughs> I really like that, that you say that, you know, you are a bit hesitant in the beginning of one of these events, because I know so many people who basically say, oh, yeah, we're all with open hearts and we just love all the time. And, and for me, this is just not true. So it feels very familiar to me. I also always think in the beginning, ah, all these crazy people. And then in the end, I, um, I'm usually quite in love. Um, I want to introduce you a little bit, and I don't really know where to start because... Um, getting to know you at this event kind of showed me more like a little part of your soul, I might call it. And I feel a strong connection there. I really want to mention um, that you are not just a guest of a podcast. You also have done several podcasts. You are the host of a podcast called Psychonaut Sisters. And there, maybe you want to say what you talk about there. Yeah, so Psychonaut Sisters, it's, I would say it's, it's a project that I did um, nine episodes of and, I, and I've kind of grown in a different direction now, but it was exploring the topic of psychedelics and the intersection with femininity, sexuality, um, spirituality, um, and kind of looking and using psychedelics as a sort of a lens to look at these other topics. Um, yeah. And this brings us basically to all your other gifts. Uh, you're a proper journalist, like with education and certificate. Uh, you're a writer, editor, and you're also a creative soul and artist. Did I forget mm -hmm. something? Probably a lot. Um, no, I mean, I would say, as um, we were saying pre-recording, journalist, journalist is definitely one of the hats I've tried on in my life. I find it's funny in your work, you're often kind of encouraged to put on a specific label mm. and I quite enjoy putting them on for a while and taking them off and and I, I kind of follow my curiosity I tend but I tend to always everything I do I follow my curiosity and my and my interest and journalism journalism is a great uh, medium for that yeah and it, it you know one can apply this to many many topics and um it feels like you are interested in many many topics we just touched a little bit on permaculture And um, we were talking a lot about art uh, when we met and relationship and sexuality and all these things. In your podcast, you show a big interest in not just um, in you being a feminist and also um, yeah, talking about topics related to feminism, but especially also about psychedelics. I have no clue about psychedelics. So maybe you want to tell me and also our listeners a little bit more what that actually is and how one differentiates psychedelics from drugs, for example? Hmm. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting question because, um, I mean, there are a lot of drugs that most of us consume on a, you know, on a daily basis. Maybe you have caffeine and you have tobacco and you have alcohol. Um, and actually, after my vision quest, when I fasted for four days, I had the trippiest dream in my life and that was because I'd eaten a load of cheese. <laughs> and so anything that you put into your body will have some effect on your mood and on your kind of, and on your, uh, yeah, on your body. Um, but I mean, psychedelics, I think broadly people would um, think about psychedelics as hallucinogenic drugs. So drugs that kind of will affect your senses, the way that you experience time, the way that you see the, your perception, um, the way that you hear things. And so it kind of has this very all encompassing sensual um, effect on your, on your body. 
um, and and that's the kind of typical hallucinogenic experience. Yeah. Okay. And you also said before, like a, a trippy feeling that's kind of, um, I think it comes from a, a scene of people using psychedelics to use trippy as a positive adjective, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely use trippy as a positive, positive adjective, but it could also be obviously a, a quite a, a scary experience as well. Um, and also, you know, you can, you, you can get into these, not these states through things like chanting and meditation and sex and tantra and absolutely um, so i would put psychedelics actually in the same category as those other oh. things or well, breath work you know okay. breathing um but it is definitely a, a more on the extreme end of, of that spectrum yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, drugs were a part of my context from quite early on in life. People around me in my social group were taking ecstasy and MDMA, um, and I would say that I've definitely seen the good and the bad side. I've definitely seen. I don't think that young people should take drugs that young. I don't think it's healthy, and I and I think that when your brain is still developing, it's not a good thing to do. However, that was just that was just the context that I, that mm -hmm. I was in. Um, and there is that debate about whether or not drugs should be taken recreationally. Um, and I think there's, I don't think we need to distinguish so much between recreational therapeutic. You know, I think recreation is therapy. Um, and I, most people who get interested in drugs in a therapeutic sense or in a um, personal development sense will have accessed it originally in, in that kind of mm. Um, mm. less responsible mm. environment. But I think the question isn't on personal responsibility, it's, it's on um, you know, education and, and children and young people and are always going to find ways to access drugs, you know, whether it's sniffing glue or um drinking alcohol stolen from their parents and I think it's it's more of a question of education you know how are we how are we teaching them to use drugs responsibly I mean human beings since the beginning of time have messed around with their consciousness it's sort of part of what makes us intelligent mammals um you know all mammals are intelligent so yeah I think it's a part of what makes us um special <laughs> is our interest in in consciousness expanding yes And um, how you phrased it, it sounded a little bit like um, my theory why I like Tantra so much, because the implication of sex or sex drive or life force energy brings so many more people to look into their personal development, right? They come because they like sex or they want to have sex and they or have a problem with the sexual issues. Um, and then they start learning about themselves and learning about oneness and learning about, you know, the other people and Mother Earth. and Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a gateway, but not in the way that it's usually spoken about. Yeah, exactly. It's just a way of looking deeper into yourself. Let's talk about your first psychedelic retreat. Yeah. So um, I when I was studying my master's in journalism, I started to get interested in psychedelics as um, a lot of science was being released around psychedelics as a potential for treatment of depression. Mm -hmm. 
um, treatment resistant depression. So people who had suffered you know, many, many, even up to 20, 30 years of treatment resistant depression were finding relief through the use of psychedelics in a cl clinical setting. Um, so I started to, and, and around me in my, in my social context, mental health was a really, really big topic. A lot of people were struggling with depression and anxiety. And so I just thought this was really interesting. And uh, I had a friend who um, was using psychedelics as a way to um, facilitate deeper conversations with her partner. Mm -hmm. And so I published an article about using psychedelics as couples um, mm -hmm. and about how, um, about how using psychedelics can, can help in that relational sense. Um, and in that article, I got a quote from one of the researchers who had worked on the studies of depression. She said that one of the side effects of that study had been that a lot of people's personal relationships had improved mm. um, and people had had conversations with their partners in the, with a sense of honesty that they hadn't had for, you know, after like 20 years of marriage. So um, I was really interested in this topic. And then I saw that there was a women's retreat running to Jamaica where magic mushrooms are legal and two really amazing researchers were going to be facilitating that so I pitched that as an article and got to go on the retreat and that was in 2018. Nice. It was a yeah. So it was kind of a job that you went there? Yeah 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 I, I definitely went um, with this hat on journalism hat on although of course it ended up being way more personal I was like no no you know to observe and to participate but and then you know ended up going to my own things as well <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's the most important part actually um, especially as a journalist that you um, let it touch you also because I think then you can um, report from a totally different perspective you know if you're just observing you'll never get it I guess yeah 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 absolutely absolutely also it was really important to participate as well as um, as well as talk to people about their their experiences. Okay, and and do you want to share a few things about that retreat, how that was, or is it a total secret like some therapy or groups are? No, I can talk a bit about it. So I think there was a group of 30 women, um, 40, I mean, in that ballpark number, um, and they had come from a range of different life experiences. I think ages between like 70 and I think I was the youngest there and I was 25. Um, and with a lot of different, you know, some people had ongoing chronic health problems. Some people had experienced grief. Some people had had lifelong depression. Some people had had sexual trauma. People were dealing with questions around motherhood and not having children and having bad relationships with their children or you know a really range of different life experiences um, and the way it worked is over the space of 10 days there was three um trips um, and you kind of go up in dosage so the first mm -hmm. one is and most people there had never tried psychedelics before um, and the first so the first dose was the lowest and then you go up um, and you you're in a room It was a kind of covered room, not with that kind of um, outside, but with with the cover. Um, and you kind of sit in this space, and there's you have the option to listen to music or journal, and uh, yeah, so you, it's kind of a collective group experience whilst also being deeply personal. 
and yeah, so you do three trips in that time. And um, one, some of the stories that I have is, you know, one of the older ladies, she was like, why haven't I been doing this my entire life? <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I've gone through my whole life and I've never tried this before. Wow. Um, and yeah, and one woman who had been kind of anxiously on the phone to her therapist the entire first two days, she just kind of sat up. I remember after the first trip and she had these like clear eyes and she was like, wow, I feel like I've just had 10 years of therapy. Um which is something that people say about psychedelics. Oh, it can feel like you've had 10 years of therapy. So I'm sure she'd heard that before, but it really did feel, you know, from the sense of clarity and calmness to her, like that that was a kind of embodied experience that she'd had. Yes, there was a lot of crying, a lot of laughter. It was a really beautiful experience I got to participate in. Mm. So from, from what you're saying now, it sounds like that when one is stuck somewhere in life, then it could be a help to to get out of it. Yeah, I think one thing that psychedelics have been really helpful for for me has been emotional release. Um, so I had one experience where I just cried for hours about my about my mother and about kind of really thinking about her experiences in life and her mother's experiences in life and feeling kind of grief and sadness and also just empathy and compassion for my mother's journey through life um and that's it, you know even though it was just, you know it was just sadness that was stored in my body somehow mm. um and it was like hours of just being able to release that and, and kind of feel just a, a really big sense of love um love is often a, a an emotion or a sense that a lot of people feel whilst, yeah. whilst tripping did you know before you went on that retreat that you were kind of storing emotions in your body you wanted to release somehow no idea <laughs> no idea it's funny because as a child I was quite um, I, I've, I've always been quite a physically expressive person mm. you know like I love to dance I love to sing um I shout and I was quite a loud child you know throw things and have tantrums and oh, nice um and obviously when you get older you um you learn not to do that because it's mm. not actually acceptable and it's also not very pleasant for other people <laughs> um however I, say, I doubt that I I, I totally disagree I love <laughs> that I love to hear yeah, yeah yeah no exactly and it's funny because you just don't really get spaces to do that as an adult to just really scream and cry and yes yeah things out. Um, and so I think um but when I've been tripping it was the first time I'd ever allowed myself to feel that intensity of emotion around other people yes you know, and have mm -hmm. that space be held um, and so yeah I didn't really know I wasn't aware that I was carrying all of that but I I think if you are carrying that it, it, personally if I if I am carrying that I think it can limit my ability to feel joy and pleasure and things like mm -hmm. that yes um, i mean this is what we experience in body therapy basically too that mm -hmm. we store in our body all kinds of unlived feelings um not just trauma also unlived feelings um yeah. and with body therapy we can also activate that um but you saying this is also possible through psychedelics which i find very interesting um because sometimes we have a resistance to you know, look into one solution, like going to a therapist or if it's a body therapy or a therapy where one basically talks. Um, so this could be another way. 
yeah. of tricking the head, basically, of yeah. losing control a bit. Yeah, it's definitely, um, psychedelics is not the gentle way to do that. It's definitely, like, you can't hide from whatever's there. And so that's why preparation and integration is really, really important. Um, but absolutely, it's, um, it's access- it can be accessible through body therapies as well. And um, I heard that uh, on an ayahuasca retreat, people have to eat special diet before and they have kind of um, rituals uh, before they take the medicine, um, mama ayahuasca, they say. And they all kind of come out with similar experiences. So I've heard many people who have taken ayahuasca um, saying that it is kind of oneness which is mm -hmm. the strongest thing. And people say everybody should take it because we lack this idea of oneness in our world. Definitely. Yeah, and something that happens in an ayahuasca ceremony, you mean you have a ceremony experience. And even um, without any substances, ceremony is obviously a really powerful experience. Um, and so that set and setting is very helpful and conducive to to kind of a transformative experience yeah it also sounds like um a bit of an initiation like you know mm -hmm. because you're a group and you learn to trust the group um mm -hmm. and this is something we probably miss in our everyday life that we're kind of going with a collective through an experience yeah definitely and especially in the case of psychedelic experiences because you know it can be so weird and so you share this experience with other people and it's very bonding yeah what is the weirdest thing you've experienced personally or in a group no whatever you like best to talk about well I mean I spoke about this in one of my podcast episodes the first time I ever took mushrooms when I was 18 I was in the ocean and it was sort of rocking me back and forth as the ocean does And there was these kind of rocks and I, like I, I got this sense of masculine energy coming from these rocks. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I often feel these, this kind of, you definitely start, I, I often feel very, very like this sense of kind of feminine energy in, in, and these kind of slightly woo-woo terms start to feel very material when you're in trip space. Um, and Yeah, and I, I remember just feeling kind of just very sexual, like everything around me was infused with kind of this fertile sexual energy. And it was, um, yeah, great. It's really, it's a really, uh, I mean, especially when you're in nature, anywhere in nature, you, you kind of, you start to see that, I think. Would you say it feels like you're feeling more yourself? Mm myself as in tan or myself as in human being <laughs> i don't know what tan means to you so maybe we need to discuss that first i meant um whether you feel more like original like you feel being you are be it spirit be it body i definitely feel somehow in touch with something that's very true and very real mm. and a part of human experience and a part of the experience of being alive on this planet and part of this great universe that we're in. 
there's definitely something kind of a sense of you know this oneness and, and a sense of existence you know a different kind of quality to your existence yeah and um when you um kind of get out of this experience is it possible to take it with you like this feeling this experience you made absolutely yeah it's definitely um yeah it's definitely I mean I I don't it's not I don't trip regularly it's not something that I I count as a kind of part of my regular practice or anything um but it's definitely it's the way I look at the world and the way I experience nature and the way I experience other humans yeah mm. and you were talking about your article about this couple who um use psychedelics as I don't know a form to better intensify their relationship maybe you can tell a bit more about that and what opportunities one has there yeah so what they did was um you know and I wouldn't recommend that everyone do this because they were quite experienced with yeah. using psychedelics um but they would trip together separately so in the same room or in separate rooms um, and set an intention together for their trip um and then they would come together afterwards to talk about it essentially that's what they did and it was just sort of sharing that experience and then you know having the joint intention and then having the creating the space afterwards to to speak about it together um that was what they did and i think in the the kind of the other part of the article was um how um people who use psychedelics or have had what they call a mystical experience on psychedelics mm -hmm. um can yeah it can just facilitate a better understanding of self and, and in relationship to other people i don't really know how better to express it than that yeah 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 that um that's how it sounds to me like what you're saying basically that one um it's kind of an amplifier basically like yeah. therapy in in any way to amplify how to get to know yourself um how does one make sure that you channel this right or you kind of um take this if it's touching on traumatic experiences you have or let's say you you said uh, you could cry your tears out you were experiencing a sadness about your mother and let's say it doesn't get closed in the session how can one make mm. sure oneself that you know if one takes um, psychedelics not with a um, trained person who knows that one needs to like a good therapist that one needs to close the after the session so one can go on with normal life yeah I mean yeah so if you, if you do have had psychedelic experiences or want to it was out of a setting like a retreat or mm -hmm. a therapy session um there are psychedelic integration circles and um, there was one that I used to go mm. to in London where people can come together and talk about their experiences that they've had wow I didn't know about that Yeah, so there's lots of psychedelic, and then they'll, in Berlin as well, there's psychedelic integration circles. Um, there's a women's integration circle here in Berlin. Um, so it's, you know, because obviously a lot of people will have these experiences and they can't talk to people in their lives about it because they won't understand or it's really stigmatized or, you know, they're scared of being getting in trouble. Um, so, yeah, you can seek out other people, like-minded people. Also, there's loads of internet 
resources, forums, Facebook pages. Um, and I think that is really important. So if someone does have a psychedelic experience that they're having trouble integrating, then it's really good to, to seek yeah. out that kind of thing. Could one also go to these groups when one is interested in the topic and just wants to get to know people and share experiences and yeah conceivably I think um probably it depends per it depends on each you'd have to kind of ask the organizers mm. um, if that was okay um but yeah I mean it, there's also lots of other there's loads of I mean the psychedelic um kind of field is quite big so there's also you know there's a psychedelics conference in in Berlin there's one in London called Breaking Convention and the one in Berlin is called Insight and there's quite a lot of psychedelic conferences and things across Europe and in the US so that's also somewhere to go if people are yeah. curious. Maybe we can um, put these um, links in the description um, because sure. I think that's really interesting. I can imagine if one feels this is interesting and I want to try it, it's also important that one finds a, a safe way um, to, to practice that. Definitely. Um, yeah. And then also I would mostly recommend that if anyone's not experienced with psychedelics and wants to try it, the best thing to do would be to go on a retreat mm. um, or another kind of held in, in a held space where you can do it legally with the support and with the integration and the preparation and, and really just takes all of the stress out of your hands. Yeah. And then you can just really surrender to the experience. Because it is still, these substances are still not legal in most countries, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you can, there are a lot, quite a few retreats in the Netherlands where they are mm -hmm. legal. Um, Jamaica, as I mentioned, some states in the US, they're now legal. Um, so yeah, it is possible to go and do it in a legal way. Yeah. And then someone like me who puts them always in the same box as other drugs, um, I heard that actually don't make you addicted. No, I think it'd be very hard to get addicted to um, psychedelics, although obviously there's that kind of um, historical stereotype of the hippies taking LSD in the 60s. Um, but, I mean, it would be quite a difficult existence. It's not necessarily where you go to hide from life, you know? <laughs> a good thing to say, yeah. it's not just makes you, gives you happy feelings, it's more like diving deep. Yeah, yeah, it can, can give you happy feelings. It can be everything but you you said that you tried mushrooms and um would you kind of say all the psychedelics give kind of the same experience or would you say like lsd or whatever there is else um is good for other things or you had different experiences with so i probably differ from other people because i wouldn't necessarily despite the name of my podcast i wouldn't necessarily say i'm a a psychonaut in that way I have a friend who kind of he'll kind of record his dosage of everything and the specific differences between like this type of mushroom and this type of mushroom and I'm not like that I I think they are all in for me the same in the same kind of group of experiences mm -hmm. um, so my experience of ayahuasca was I I thought it was had similar quite a lot of similarities to my experiences with mushrooms and um so yeah I would I think it's it's and as you said you've had these kind of experiences without taking any drugs at all I think actually what you're doing when you're taking psychedelics is kind of tapping into a, a reality that exists um but it's just kind of being able to get there and it can be an important um helper to to go there because I, I feel some people struggle hard with 
feeling in their body, feeling in presence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's the, there's the personal side of it, the, the, the feeling of one's own feelings and, um, and the kind of releasing of experiences. And then there's also the kind of tapping into the, yeah, collective experience. Psychedelics are illegal is, um, is probably somehow also kind of a cool thing. Like, you know, who I'm doing something super cool. Um, mm. I, I can imagine like people who say like, I go to a tantra retreat, feel very sexual and feel very open. And when they come back, they're changed, but they kind of, you know, what I mm. said before, go through an experience which is maybe life-changing. Well, tantra is not illegal. And I mean, to put it lightly, it's not something that you, the, the, the illegal, the, the messing around with the law side of, of drugs is not something that you want to fuck around with. Like you, people go to prison. And also, of course, if you're a person of color or, you know, marginalized group, you're much more likely to be, you know, to be persecuted than, than a, you know, a white um, middle-class hippie who takes mushrooms. So I would say I, I, I'm pro um, decriminalization of drugs because I, th I think that um, only through decriminalization will be people be able to access drugs as they already are anyway in a safe way, in a safe way with the support that they need. Yeah, yeah and what you said before, um, that basically um, it's part of initiation, it's part of growing into society, so we also need to do some work on that that we um, create a society where, you know, people are allowed to feel their feelings and yeah. are allowed to develop. And also the people they're initiated into. I think when you have teenagers, for example, drinking alcohol underage, that is in a way a sort of self-initiation into adulthood um, because it's something that you do, yeah, to say I'm not a child anymore, I'm an adult, but it, but it's not you know it's not ideal in other cultures they'll have actual rituals and ceremonies around that initiation mm. do you recall um something with the psychedelics which surprised you actually mm. i remember the first trip at, no the second trip in the retreat i was going through a breakup at the time and i had this sense of i just had this sense of it was like being comforted by, you know, like being a child, being comforted by, by, a, by kind of a wise and mature being. And it was going, it's okay. It's okay. It's really hard what you've been through, but it's okay. Because there was lots of um, those issues. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to talk about, um, but, um, and I remember having this feeling of how does it know? <laughs> it felt like, yeah like like a like a godly experience it felt like being comforted by mm. by yeah by a by a higher being that knew that everything was going to be okay and that was quite surprising <laughs> yeah and that's um i think something many of us also yearn for right it's like a being not judged being totally accepted yeah yeah I mean in love yeah and it's something that you know you have to do for yourself first um and I think um I've always been really grateful to have 
this knowledge about the psychedelic experience, uh, the psychedelic experiences, because I feel like I have access to, um, yeah, it's opened up access in myself to this, to this sense of peace and love and all of these nice things. Yeah, and, and when I look at you right now, it feels like you can really bring that experience back to your body mm -hmm. while you're talking. Mm, about yeah, Def definitely. Yeah, I think there's a lot about, I mean, get having a different kind of awareness that's not, you know, completely focused around your head area that's actually really fit, you can really feel in your body. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice uh, that one can keep it and, um, you know, that it's not just under the substance that one feels that way, but that it's also something you can take home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember you were writing something about sex on psychedelics. Yes, was I? Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, it just... sounds like me. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, one of your um, questions that you asked me before was, have you ever done art on psychedelics yes so no I, that would be my next question but you can also answer that first <laughs> <laughs> well it was funny because I was thinking as I was saying earlier I've always been quite physically expressive I'm yeah. someone who I love to dance and sing and laugh and have sex so I think I haven't done art in the way of like pen to paper or paint but I, I have danced and sung and laughed mm. and cried and I do I do think of that as being creative and had sex with, on totally. psychedelics yeah and I think um something that I've kind of done as a practice when I've been on psychedelics is um practicing submission on my own not with anyone else but just this having this feel and, and this is something that you I think it's something that's important for all people to learn it's a sense of um when you can't fight anymore you know Ugh, just let it go and I, I have I've had this before with the psychedelic experience where I kind of feel I lie down and just feel what it would feel like to just let it happen um and I think obviously that's something that can you know if you into the kind of dom sub thing or like that that's something that's part of the sexual polarity experience as well mm. would you say it's the same like uh, the receiving state like when you open up into the feminine yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's a it's an it can be a practice in that is it like you you take the substance and then it just happens or do you well for example some people who will take and i know and i you know the, the kind of bad trip experience can be sometimes where someone will take a substance and then everything in their body is like no I'm not doing this and then it's like an internal battle between the the person and the and the substance they've taken and so it can be very an important part of any trip it can be to really just trust and release and submit to the medicine mm. in order to get the benefits of it um and of course like in any submissive uh, in a sexual sense in it there has to be a huge amount of trust in there as well mm -hmm. um, and if you don't have the trust then you can't then you you can't fully de-armor your body so it's about trust as well yeah yeah so the the safe space which is created either for yourself or with someone or in a group is really important trust is really important yeah yeah how does one do that um well one thing would be it would really depends on the on the person but for me it's knowing a lot about 
how the substance is working on my brain you know having they call it having something for your thinking mind to latch on to mm-hmm. I need to know kind of the, yeah the, the science part of it is it's it's it, it can be helpful for someone to have read a lot and researched a lot about what exactly happens mm-hmm. during a trip in order to be able to trust the trip and um, the other thing is of course being in a group of people that you feel comfortable with um, and with a facilitator that you feel comfortable with because I mean it's a really big problem in the psychedelics world is people who abuse the position they have especially um yeah in this in this sexual way um and that's that's definitely one of the really big shadows of the psychedelic um field can be facilitators who abuse the power what would you say is the big red flag where should one stay away from the experience i mean i think it's mostly just really really listening to yourself and how you feel because obviously what is fine for someone else someone is not fine for someone else and um, so really having that strong boundary in place of no i don't feel comfortable with that and then obviously not taking any substance if you feel any sense of uncomfortable uncomfortability and being able to also you know i guess it comes from really really strong self-knowledge and being able to i mean we've all been there you know we're like is this just me being afraid or scared and it's just like a an instinct that i need to overrun or is this you know really my is this dangerous or is this bad for me mm. um and it is always a a, a um yeah it's each in, in uh, each situation is individual um but i mean one way would just be doing the prep and really knowing who you're doing it with um that's why i've often done experiences that are women-led women-held spaces um i would like to try doing it in a space that was you know held i think you know with having held by a man especially in like an ayahuasca ceremony with a male shaman um i think that could be really powerful but it wouldn't necessarily be something that i would feel comfortable doing unless i was really sure who it was going to be yeah yeah and i think this is a really important to listen to one's own voice and also not to make this voice small. And for that, one probably needs a big amount of self-love and also maybe a little bit about knowing knowing about yourself enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, and if, and if you're at all not sure if if you hear all of that and think, okay, well, I just don't know if I trust myself that much or, you know, going with, some, going with a friend that you trust is fun. Yeah really you know being with someone and, and kind of buddying up with someone or going with a partner or someone being with someone that you know you can trust um is obviously the easiest route. who would then also um take part in the experience or who would um just assist you in a way either um i was in a ceremony once where um a woman had a friend come a male friend who didn't participate but he was just there supporting her oh nice I've had obviously it's quite common for for friends or partners to uh-huh. go to these together as well and participate together. Maybe you can talk about um, why could one take psychedelics in a sexual environment and what the benefits or problems could be. Well, yeah. Well, one thing that sex and psychedelics have in common is set and setting is really important. So, who you're with, do you trust them? What have you lit candles? <laughs> Are you somewhere where you're comfortable? All of these things are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that's that's a that's a crossover in in 
there. And also, if anyone is interested in hearing about sexual experience on psychedelics, there's a really great video called How Acid Changed My Sex Life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, it's a recording of a talk by a friend of mine, um, Stefana, who works with the Psychedelic Society. And she, she talks about an experience that she had on LSD. Um, and it's really beautiful um, experience. A description of we put this all in the in the description box all the books yeah. you mentioned or slightly mentioned and videos so people can have their own research about it is there something you think we haven't touched at all there was one thing that i was thinking about in preparation for this which was um how i don't know it's something that you would want to get into how psychedelics has really um helped change my relationship with my body in terms of um like e eating and this these kind of topics um i think it was someone who had a lot of internalized self-hatred for my body mm. and um the way i look um as a teenager from god knows where probably like magazines and all sorts of crap um and I remember a shaman once said to me that she thought that um, eating disorders were a repression, a, a result of the repression of the divine feminine. Mm. Um, and there was a qualitative research report study a few years ago on ayahuasca and eating disorders. And there's some really beautiful quotes that came out of that. And it was um, women who had suffered from really, really bad anorexia. Um, and how they had hallucinated themselves as goddesses mm. um, and could see that they had like denied their body food and how that had been, you know, it was so damaging them. And then they kind of hallucinated themselves as these kind of divine feminine beings. Um, and I definitely think that my experiences with, with all that we've spoken about, with the psychedelics, with the emotional release, has definitely um, been a game changer for me in the way that I think about my my body and how I relate to my body and yeah I'm very very grateful for that yeah that sounds really really nice and profound and um this also um is good for for a good uh, partnership and and sex life I guess if Absolutely. one feels more yeah. welcome um with their own body and I think we all um suffer from that not just females Uh, but females especially, um, because we still need to be the pretty ones, right? Yeah, or like, yeah, there's so many things. You need to just be skinny, you need to be young, you need to be white, you need to be whatever. Um, and I think, yeah, I think uh, it'd be a good tool. There's a really great, um, there's a lot of really great kind of sub movements around the psychedelic movement now for um, like people of color and psychedelics and just using this as a tool to, um, yeah, unpick internalized misogyny, internalized uh, racism, and and so yeah, yeah, because we um, we all kind of help it to stay in the bad way, right? Even though we're the ones who are suffering uh, from it. Yeah. Um, if you could wish for something, so like at the end of our little podcast here, if you could wish for something what would change in the world to make it a better place? What would you wish for? Related to psychedelics or in yes. general? <laughs> Both, <laughs> maybe, if you want. Um, well, I think it would be fantastic if 
for anyone who wanted to try this experience could have that the education and the as in the the kind of resources and the um support to be able to do that um you know if everyone could have the opportunity to go on a retreat or um or even not have to go, go to a retreat in a foreign country but be able to do it in their own country you know in their own home um without risking being a criminal that would be great thank you so much for your time there was really a profound talk and um i hope you felt in a safe space here in the talk with me we put all the ways people can contact you if they have questions if they think uh, you should write about them as uh, the writer and journalist you are or who just want to get to know you we put that in the description and yeah i hope we see each other soon and we have more of these very interesting conversations yes me too thank you very much it's been really interesting <laughs> Thank you, lovely humans, for listening to this episode of my podcast, Sex and Art. If you want to support this podcast, please don't forget to like and subscribe. And I hope we hear each other soon in the next episode. Have a lovely day. <laughs>